Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Zachary Gio. This is Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, ladies and gentlemen, the only video game podcast that matters, where we talk about good games, bad games, and everything in between. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is a 420-friendly podcast, so if you've got it, smoke it, eat it, don't inject <laughs> it, because that's bad. <laughs> yeah. How's it going, Ash? You doing oh. Yo, man, I am doing great. Um, you heard about, of course, the Nintendo Direct. I, I, I just want to go right into Collateral Gaming News. Sorry. I <laughs> Yo, dude, knock it out of the park, man. We got some good stuff. Okay. So, Nintendo Direct. Uh, obviously, thoughts about that as a whole uh, we'll talk about. But, in particular, how do you feel about that Zelda Skyward Sword HD announcement? Bro, I was watching the Direct, and up until that point, because it was not the most jam-packed Direct. It had some good stuff, and I won't bash Nintendo because it's their first attempt in 500 days. And I loved it. Skyward Sword was one of my absolute favorite Zeldas. I had like the biggest amount of hype for it, other than Breath of the Wild. Um, I preordered the golden Wii Remote with the uh, Hylian Crest on it. So I love Skyward Sword. I've always thought it was fantastic. I loved the motion controls. I thought it brought an aspect to Zelda that was very much needed because they pecked at it with Twilight Princess, but they didn't quite hit the mark. You just kind of swang the Wii Remote like swing. Yeah. You just kind of swung the Wii Remote like ridiculously. Yeah, yeah, that's my new word, guys. (laughs) Sorry. But um, no, Skyward Sword HD is going to be perfect. The Switch is a beautiful system and it can run it absolutely gorgeously the game has some ideal locations masterful dungeons items that are amazing um and of course there are some letdowns about the game you know like the claw shots you can't like lower and raise yourself that kind of sucks um and the heroes the song of the hero is cool but it is kind of a momentum killer yeah but overall um this is the 10th anniversary of skyward sword and i think that it's a wonderful enough zelda game to more than deserve a remaster yes and i'm or a remake or a port or whatever they're doing you know with just some shaders or anything it's just a good game and the controls let's talk about the controls because they're actually making it to where people who didn't like the motion controls can actually use buttons or yes. they can use the right joystick to slice and dice. And you actually mentioned that you would expect to see something like that in an episode where we talked about Skyward Sword in recent past. Yeah, I you, you heard it here it. first, folks. I called it, and it, it is it is on one of our episodes. I believe it's on one of the bonus rounds. But um, yeah, I w- totally called the exact way that I, I button... Or, or right analog stick 
control scheme would work right down to the way that they did it you know it's crazy <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm excited i'm really excited to see how it works because i I've, I've we've played skyward sword countless times you know it's a it's a really good game well i have i don't know how many times you've played through the game but i obsessed over it when it came out kind of addicted i know skyward sword's your favorite right it's the best dude i love it so much it's for i started the series with oracle of ages i mean that's a huge leap. I played Oracle of Seasons finally when I could get it. The Wind Waker, Twilight Princess was huge for me, but Skyward Sword, I waited for Skyward Sword for like three years. I had a feeling they were going to do another like Toonie Zelda, and then they revealed it, and I cried, and I spent the next like year and a half just, just waiting. You know, that's all I could do was wait and just be patient because I was so excited. And it finally came out with the Golden Wii Remote and the 25th anniversary symphony CD, and it was just perfect. You know, I was, let's see, I don't even care how old I was. I was a, I was a lot younger. I was like 14, I think, when it came out, and so I was really excited. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm hyped for this remake. It's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be beloved. I'm going to try to get my hands on some of the Joy-Cons, but scalpers have kind of already upped the price to like <laughs> 120 bucks. So I'm just like, ah, I don't know. I want them. I want to get one of those those Joy-Cons, yeah. So overall, the Nintendo Direct for me wasn't all that exciting. It seemed like it was mainly JRPGs, and I guess that was exciting for some people. But I overall, you know, I was I was there for Zelda, and it took forever, and then we finally got Zelda at the end. Uh, yes. That was the highlight of it for me. I mean, I, I honestly, I was also excited about the Age of Calamity expansion pass, that, that was really exciting for me. I already pre-ordered that as well, as well as pre-ordering the Skyward Sword HD. Um, Mario Golf, Splatoon 3. Um, there, there were a, a couple cool things. And then, of course, Skyward Sword HD, I think, though, was, was just really the highlight. That was what we were hoping for. Um, and, it, and it happened, again, exactly the way that I would have expected a skyward sword hd to work because they offer both the motion controls with the joy cons and for people that have a switch light or a handheld uh or are playing in handheld mode and i have a switch light so this would affect me they'd have to do the the uh analog stick control so really happy about that um overall i i, I hope I, I wish that we had more zelda content because yeah. It's the 35th anniversary, and I'm I'm hoping that there actually is going to be something else later this year, in, in in the way of of 35th anniversary. I'm hoping that we at least get to see a few more games come out, like like remaking the Oracle games, Link's Awakening. Stuff. Yeah, I want to see that. That would be amazing. I I'm pretty sure we've got some good stuff coming though. I don't think Nintendo's going to let us down. So I'm. I'm I'm excited to see what's possible to come, and who knows, we might even get some Metroid stuff. And that, I mean, that's what we're talking about today. Yes. We're, I mean, so with that's a big part of you know our conversations because Metroid is one of Ash and mine's fav favorite series. There's Zelda, and then there's Metroid. Yeah. Very close behind. Like Samus is wonderful. She's a badass character, and she deserves all the love she gets. But hopefully, we get some Metroid love because it's also the 35th anniversary of Metroid this year. Exactly. I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, it's a perfect time for us to talk about it. Yeah, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that Nintendo didn't go with Zelda and Metroid as their flagship series. I Mario is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Like I love the Super Mario games, and 
uh, Super Smash and all that stuff. Don't get me wrong, they're fantastic. But when you get into a game like Metroid Prime, yes, that feeling of isolation just takes you to a place that you don't go normally as a kid, and it's 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 a deep experience. Like the first time I got to the phase, I know I'm kind of trailing off a bit, but. No, no, no. I want to talk about the Metroid series as a whole. That was a beautiful segue. So let's yes. let's just talk about Metroid for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Um, the first time I got to the phase on Mines, dude, my heart dropped. Because you open the door from the elevator, and the mm-hmm. first thing you see is just this long hallway of purple tunnels with a bunch of phase on underneath. And you're like, where am I? Because it doesn't show you that you're in the phase on mines until you get out to the main quarry. And so you're going through all these tunnels and you just hear the music that's like tingling with the radiation coming off of the phase on. It's very yep. creepy, very eerie, and just kind of grabs you. But you're all alone. You can't talk to anybody. You're just there exploring the problem. You go out to the main quarry and it shows a <laughs> You just summed up the entire experience of Metroid. I mean, right there. Yes, dude, it's crazy what that game does. And when you go out, and it's just Metroid, the Prime games, all three of them have these just glorious thematic shots. Like, they went all out with these 3D games. They're really good because they have these glorious thematic shots of where you're at, of enemies, these great cutscenes that just show what you're about to go up against. And it literally, as the first time you're playing it, because I played this game when I was 10, and it was terrifying some of those moments that you come across because you're literally putting yourself in Samus's shoes and that's what this game does a really good job of it takes that feeling of isolation and that feeling of fear and Mm. plugs it into the player and translates into how they play and so you can either hide from the sex you can take off and run and try to get away you can try to fight back because we'll talk about that at some point but you can eventually fight back a little bit by freezing it and so Oh my God, we're this is okay. So I'm going off on a tangent here. But no, yeah, today, no. yeah, today our main topic of focus and uh, our next big heavy hitter on our list of grand adventures is Metroid Fusion. Woo! And that is what we are going to be talking about today. The Game Boy Advance was a and still is a spectacular console that Nintendo produced. One of my favorite games to this day is Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga. Couldn't have done that without the Game Boy Advance. Oh, fuck, dude. That is such a great game. <sighs> yes, it is. I'm telling you. And Both all... GBA Metroid games are fantastic. Yes, dude. Yes, absolutely. The Fire Emblem games, uh, Mario games, Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Advance 3, where you're... Oh, my gosh. I love these games. and My dad loves them, too. It's really cool. But Fusion, Fusion makes a statement all on its own. It is. And, you know, going back to the, the theme of fear and isolation in a Metroid game, Fusion is the game I think that exemplifies that the most. Um, or at yes. least the fear aspect. Other games um, have you more isolated, but but Fusion really builds on the fear and the horror elements, which, of course, we'll talk about in a second here. And we have a lot of deep thematic uh, Oh yeah storytelling to go through but what i want to what i want to i guess take a moment here to to reflect on is where fusion fits in with the overall series how it differs from some of the other titles or more specifically what makes a metroid game a metroid game and and what does fusion do that does that honestly Fusion is crazy because I think Fusion is the last link in the Metroid timeline that we know of so far. I think Fusion is the latest adventure. I think it is the events that follow uh, Other M. 
Yeah. Uh, it's where uh, Sam, which kind of sucks because other M portrays Samus as this <laughs> weak willed character that just falls to her emotions and gets her ass kicked a lot more uh, than she should because she's well, well, saying well, stupid one-liners but it's okay the it's less okay. we say about okay. other m the better and we have a whole episode <laughs> dedicated to that so <laughs> you're right you're right you're right you're right but fusion brings samus back into a very very strong light because she's to herself focused on a mission she is um sent to SR388 to investigate a new species of life that could be ta- happening there and she stumbles across oh excuse me she stumbles across a creature kills it and a creature is, uh, a creature and is immediately possessed by an ex parasite yes and because it happens so smoothly and so quickly she doesn't notice anything so she goes back to her ship Later on, she's headed towards the BSL station. She falls unconscious in her ship and drifts into a nearby asteroid belt, almost killing her. Because she had drifted unconscious because the ex-parasite had multiplied within her blood cells and it was completely taking over her body. Um, Her chances of survival were very minimal. But she survived because one of the scientists there thought about using a Metroid vaccine to save her life because they knew that Metroids were the ones keeping the ex-parasites at bay on what? the surface of SR388. Vaccines yes, work? Vaccines aren't bullshit? Vaccines? <laughs> no, they're very, very much a necessity, and I'm glad that we're starting to have one for COVID, so that's really nice. But they started to use the Metroid to make a vaccine for Samus, and it saved her life, and it also gave her the ability to absorb the ex-parasites for... A replenishment of a replenishing of health or ammo. What what did you what did you have to say about the beginning of this game? Like with the cutscenes and just how it made you feel with what happened to her and where she's at now? Well, Metroid Fusion opens up with quite a bit more dialogue and, and exposition than we're used to oh, yeah. in a Metroid game. In fact, Fusion's kind of the first game that really incorporates cutscenes and, and actual mm-hmm. dialogue in the series. Besides Super Metroid. Monologues had, had occurred. We had some monologues before, but not as in-depth as Fusion starts out with. So I feel like we're getting more aspects of Samus's character. And yet, I feel like it's a good balance. I'm okay with diving into Samus's character and giving her a voice. I don't think, for instance, like Link, she should be speechless. Just don't depict her like they depicted her in other M, and we're good. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And that's what that's what this series needs to focus on is making Samus a absolutely unstoppable creature. Like once she has everything she needs, she is unstoppable. She is a yeah. master at her craft. She's been doing this since she was a young girl, and she knows that she was trained well. She lost her parents. She's had to go up against Ridley. This woman is serious. She's not messing around. I doubt she has a boyfriend, which makes me sad because that would be cool to see a relationship build up for Samus with her being as cold and callous. No, Samus is a swinger. Samus fucks around. I I guarantee you, (laughs) Samus fucks around. Samus don't give a fuck. She she got some space pirate homies. But, um, no, but they're like underground resistance leaders. (laughs) That's so dumb. But, no, Samus is just this cold, callous, but also understanding woman that can take on any threat and take it on with ease and this game kind of shows that because samus in the most harsh of environments and up against the most terrifying of creatures can keep her composure yes and i uh, mean the first time you go to yep yeah, the first 
Okay, I'm I'm okay with the PTSD angle, but you, you know what? You know what? We're we're not gonna get into that. We're gonna talk about that. I'm sorry. We'll talk about that. We're gonna talk about point. that in a future episode. And I, don't, I don't want two grown men to be recorded crying on screen about the poor <laughs> quality. <laughs> that was terrible. But no, um, no fusion is spectacular because from the very m- beginning of the game, you feel alone, you feel isolated, and you know that whatever threat is on this ship, you are going to deal with probably on your own. Yeah. But that's not a threat for Samus because at this point, since this is the last installment in the timeline, so far, so as far, I believe, chronologically the final so game, she has many adventures and experiences under her belt, and so she's not worried about this. So yeah. the thing is... When she steps foot on the ship, she knows some shit's about to go down, but it's not going to phase her because she's already dealt with phase on. Ha <laughs> oh, I see what I'm you did terrible. there. I'm, that was horrible. Don't give me any credit for that at all. But, <laughs> yeah, no, she's not scared of anything. So she goes on the ship and she starts to investigate what's going on there. She runs into the quarantine bay and runs into an ex-parasite. The same thing that she faced on SR-388, except this time her energy tank was low. And so... Well, yeah, because mine was the first time I went through. My energy tank was low when I got oh, really? to that point, and yeah, and um, yeah, I got my health back. So and so you, the yeah, ex- go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're uh, you're good, you're good. The uh, the ex parasites provide an in game, in universe explanation for a common video game trope, which is uh, health pickups and, and ammo pickups. So they not only, uh, and they're not only energy pickups or or ammo pickups but they're also the mechanisms by which samus replenishes her abilities throughout the game which again we'll we'll, we'll get kind of into the gameplay later but what i wanted to focus on is is what what sets metroid fusion apart i mean for one i'll go ahead and throw this out there i know that it's considered quite a bit more linear than the other metroid games well, Metroid Fusion, usually Samus will defeat a creature and it will like drop a component or it'll just drop Samus's part. With this, it's different because Fusion shows actually Samus absorbing a part of her back. It's yeah. different because she feels it feels like you're being integrated with a part of you again instead of just picking something up for the first time. It actually feels like a Metroid game where you're getting your stuff back, not for the first time. In Metroid, in in previous Metroid experiences, when you get a weapon, it's like the first time Samus has ever gotten it. That's the kind of vibe they want to give you, like with the Dark Visor from Prime 2 or the uh, Spider-Ball in Prime 1, because the first time you ever see Spider-Ball is in the early uh, Samus Returns game, and you haven't seen it since. And so they brought it back in Metroid Prime in a very, very big way. (laughs) But it's like the first time. When you're Samus, you're at full power at the start of the game. But they give you a very, very logical explanation as to why she lost her abilities. Where these creatures are on the ship and what they're doing, how they multiply, fully makes sense. Because the Sayex appears. And the Sayex is a full 100% X copy of Samus. Mm-hmm. And it has all of her abilities at full power. And so it perfectly lays out how these X... That's, that's the one thing that this game does right that the other games do not. It gives a perfect... A perfect explanation as to why the abilities are there and where they're coming from. And it yeah. feels like you're getting your stuff back for the first time in the series. And it's fully explained. Metroid games have a habit of 
finding an explanation for Samus having lost all of her items. Metroid Prime 1 and 2 literally offer in-game explanations about how they were all stolen. Other M tries to go the route of authorizing, which is... Oh, God. I like it as a concept, but when practiced in the story, it just opens up so many more dumb plot holes, and, and it doesn't work. We're 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 not gonna we're not gonna get into it, but until later, because I want to save a lot of these talking points for that episode, because uh, we could just really dunk on on other M. But I like Dude, I like how Fusion flex. does it, <laughs> like you said, you know, it's Samus regaining her identity and her her sense of agency, so to speak. Uh, another mm-hmm. talking point that I have you know, for later, because the SAX in the game represents Samus at her full strength. It represents yes. Samus it it represents Samus's own sense of agency. And this game is quite a bit more linear than every other Metroid game, but there it, it allows it to tell a story and it also allows it to follow the thematic uh plot design of Samus basically losing her sense of agency. You know, Samus is being told by a computer exactly where to go. She's having to avoid the SAX, Who, you know? <laughs> yep. She's having to avoid this creature that is her with her complete sense of agency. It is her at full power. Yes. And the first time you interact with this computer, he sends you to get missiles and right after that point where she's in the elevator, she monologues about how the computer reminds her of a former CEO that she had, Adam Malkovich. And that's when she starts referring to this computer program as Adam. The yes. same computer program that right before she stepped onto the elevator told Samus that she had a 10% chance of survival with her current makeup. And that is the first time in the game where the story implements fear into the player. Because yes. you, you're you realizing you're going to get your first item, and the computer just told you, well, there's a 10% chance you're going to live. So good luck. And you're yeah. thinking, well, as a 10-year-old, I'm thinking, <laughs> well... All right, I'm going to die. Great, great. Because I wasn't the best at video games, especially not as a 10-year-old. So it took me a long time to beat Fusion for the first time. But that's when you knew this game was just going to keep you on edge. And you eventually get your way to the missiles, and you have to download it into a program. And once you step outside, you have to fight an X. Yeah. And once you fight the X, you have to chase it back uh, in like the background of the station, like the like the wires and stuff like all the construction areas and stuff like the background behind the scenes stuff of the bsl station you go back there and you face a creature that has a giant shell it's like a giant armadillo and that's where you also get your first energy arachnus which is arachnus who who is a returning boss from metroid 2 uh and metroid samus returns i have never played metroid 2 and i haven't finished samus returns yeah, well, uh, Arachnus is actually faced pretty early on in Samus Returns, uh, and actually they ended up incorporating his moveset from Fusion into the remake. That weren't, you know, they're originally like the shock waves and the uh, and and the fire so, fire breathing. But so, would you say that the X adapted memories of Samus's previous battles and took their form to implement fear in her? Well, I would say that because Metroid Fusion took i mean yes probably but uh, to another extent though i mean they they are they kind of explain that in game already as uh, a lot of specimens specimens from sr388 the setting of metroid 2 and metroid samus returns 
are on board the BSL, which is orbiting SR388. So Arachnus was one of those creatures. Well, well, I will say this about Ridley. Um, Ridley Frozen looks like the frozen carcass from Other M, the end of Other M, that they took and put in a frozen quarantine. Yes. And the ex-parasites got a hold of him and uh, used her ability with screw attack to make him very, very powerful. And that's a fight in the game much later on that is very difficult if you are not good at aiming with your missiles because his tail will kill you very quickly. So, but we'll talk about that later. And Nightmare, but, Nightmare was is, it was oh imported from uh, from Other M as well, but we'll from the bottle ship in universe, but is mm-hmm. the first time you face it here. But we'll and we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about that. Now, as far as development goes, of course. Metroid Fusion was developed by Nintendo uh, R&D 1, which is actually the oldest development team. Um, and in fact, it, it was incepted on Nintendo's entry into the gaming industry. So that's, that's Nintendo Research and Development number one department. Uh, they're known for the Metroid series, Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong. Uh, they developed the Game Boy line. Of, of Metroid games, uh, as well as uh, Super Mario Land, Wario. Uh, Team Shikamaru had developed the original Metroid, uh, and Kid Icarus, and many it's others. The same team that, it's the same team that developed Super Metroid 2. Yes. So, and uh, Super and Metroid was really good. So Originally headed was... by the late and venerable Gunpei Yokoi. Mm-hmm. So, who is basically the Miyamoto of Metroid. Yep. Because Metroid is one of those series that, unfortunately, Nintendo doesn't give as much attention to. And I think it's because it just never really hit off with the Japanese audience. I guess they don't really like sci-fi as much as, as we do in the West. But Metroid is hugely popular in the West. And so, you know, for their for their American fans and otherwise... I, I really feel like Nintendo ought to show a little bit of love, especially this 35th anniversary. I'm, I'm really hoping for for sure we get like Metroid Prime HD remastered or re, yeah, remastered, not just ported, but remastered. Fully uh, remastered. To, to hold us off until Metroid Prime tr- 4. <laughs> yeah, if they do the Metroid Prime trilogy, all three of them fully remastered, I'll still hate Corruption, but I will happily play all three of them. Because I will love to see. Well, I might not hate Corruption if it's in its like full beauty, but <laughs> Corruption as it stands is my least favorite Prime game. But if they remake those games, Prime will be one of the greatest experiences on the planet. Because Metroid Prime, I have so many memories with that game, dude. Yeah. I, oh man, we could reminisce about it on this. But Fusion is honestly what brought me into it. My Fu- Metroid Fusion was my first Metroid game, and my friend Will spent the night with me and he came over uh we were kids and uh he came over and he showed me this game on his ds he was like dude check this out i found this game it's called metroid fusion the main character's a girl and i was like wait what <laughs> and he was like the main character's a girl and i was like no way is she awesome he was like yeah she's awesome her name's samus <laughs> <laughs> and and then we started playing this game and he showed me the beginning of it he was like yeah you can borrow it if you want and he let me borrow his ds and uh the game and i just played through metroid fusion and it was one of 
the coolest and most terrifying experiences. It took me like a month to beat it the yeah. first time just because the, the encounters with the Sayex in that game. And the first time you see the Sayex is the first time you go down the main elevator in the game. And there's just this massive explosion. And a creature that looks just like Samus at full power walks out. And if you actually look at, uh, if you're watching this instead of just listening to it, you can see the face that the Sayex is making when it looks at the camera. Yes! And it's kind of, te- it's kind of terrifying. And that's when you realize that's the main villain that you face in that game, and you're going to have to be watching out for her because not only does the computer continuously tell you to watch out for her, but he's also manipulating you, and telling you things to get you to work with his agenda because they have a secret plan and that's yes that's that's what's crazy because it takes a lot of thinking to fully understand it but it's such a short game that by the time you figure it out you're knee deep in it and it's brilliant the way that they designed the game to line up perfectly like that because by the time you figure out what's going on you're already breaking boundaries and that's when the computer tells you samus you shouldn't have done that you shouldn't have done and that. Uh, <laughs> and is, then that's when he tells you that there's like no fewer than 10 SayX, so you got to destroy the ship. It's just, it's crazy. It's funny because I'm pretty sure that predates um, the, 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 the been drowned creepypasta, but it's just like, it's perfect. <laughs> it does predate the been drowned creepypasta, and it's also organic, you know, because that's how the game is intended to feel. But I somebody found like a really haunted copy of Majora's Mask and created this beautiful story. It's it's the same, but it's also different, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um so this game was directed by Yoshio Sakamoto. His name is going to co- crop up on a lot of Metroid games, but not everyone. But, I mean, this is the guy that was... I mean, he's real hit or miss, because this is the guy that I, I believe was behind Super Metroid, but also the guy that was behind Other M. <laughs> so, I mean, he's... It's it's really difficult to say. Um, maybe whatever was wrong with Other M was not Sakamoto's fault. I don't know. Because, I mean, he's... He's he's he made he deve- he directed this he directed everything from Super Mission to uh, besides the Prime series, but all all of the the main Metroid games since. Uh, I know with this one in particular, he wanted to create an original story instead of remaking a game, and and this was released the same time as Metroid Prime, but this was actually considered Metroid Four. Um, and so it it was honestly uh, a really interesting time for Metroid fans because we'd gone a whole console generation without any Metroid games, uh, with with Super Metroid having been the last one on the Super Nintendo. Nothing on the Nintendo 64 or Game Boy Color generation. Um, but now we're on. Now we get two games coming out. You know, I think within like a month of each other, or weren't they? Or they were they released on the same day? Fusion and Prime, yeah, I think they were released on the same day. I believe they were actually. Yeah, so that that's that's pretty awesome to get both games on the GameCube and on the Game Boy Advance. And so on the GameCube, you get this new experience. They're about a day apart from each other. You get this new experience and taking the Metroid that you love into 3D and and, and treading on new territory. But then you've got Metroid Fusion, which 
as far as style and and gameplay mechanics go, uh, mimics Super Metroid. Yeah. But at the same time, in terms of tone, Metroid Prime was the one that played it safe and did, you know, the same thing that we expect out of every Metroid game, whereas Fusion decided to do something completely different. Yep. And while Metroid Prime did kind of follow that Metroid formula, it did it in such a way that added a twist on the series that we want yes. now. And now the Prime it's, is its, its own sub-series. Yes, it is. And that game is honestly modeled, not modeled, looked at as one of the greatest games of all time. Just because it's vast exploration and the amount of stuff that you can do the pickups the um energy tanks the missile expansions the power bomb expansions everything you can find everywhere you can go the amount of material that you can read and scan the creatures the wildlife the different environments it's just absolutely spectacular and it's not something i would want anyone to miss yeah metroid so think about that this game was released the same time as metroid prime that was the big game Right. Metroid Fusion was the game that kind of just released alongside it. And so it had a lot to compare to. So I like that Metroid Fusion takes its own identity and decides to run away and actually, you know, carried forward the 2D franchise with the format that Zero Mission and later Samus Returns would continue. Yeah. So it's it's honestly... I think for having released at the same time, I mean, that's phenomenal. I remember this was a game, it's not my first Metroid game, I don't think, but this was a game that when I wasn't too into Metroid, I had noticed some of my friends playing. We had an emulator that we carried around. Uh, this and Around this time, the Nintendo DS was out, so the Game Boy Advance was previous gen, but we had this Game Boy Advance emulator that we passed around on on flash drives, and we we played at school because I went to a magnet school where they had like laptops in the classroom, so uh, we would play the hell out of Metroid Fusion. That this was one of the first Metroid games that I played a lot of. I think the only game I had played before this was Prime. Dude, that's awesome. Like, so you had a group of people that you grew up playing this with? Sort of, yeah. I mean, I we weren't like, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how close, close we were because I was constantly moving around in school. So I never stayed in a school for very long. But uh, I know, but I, but I know this, this was a popular game. And I remember playing it on an emulator and just, getting terrified of the SAX encounters. And I'm really glad that I had restore states. Somehow yeah. I had a GBA growing up, but somehow I didn't have any of the Metroid games on, with, on my G on my Game Boy Advance. So I, I hadn't played this on the original, but I remember <laughs> some of those SAX encounters are so damn hard. Cause they're just like that one time when you drop into sector two and she's just there or it's just mm-hmm. there, you know, yeah, the I tropic sector when you're clearing out all the weeds and she's just, yes. There. And she's just, you know, that part I remember having to restore from and restore from and restore from. And that's right after the Yakuza fight. <laughs> yeah. It's, that fight's hard too. That Yakuza fight, the first time you get through it, because it's just this jumping space jumping spider. <laughs> yes, space jumping spider, and and it does space jump. At first, it look it's it's like on a web, but when its legs get cut off, it starts actually space jumping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. The Game Boy was so good yes. with how it presented the games that we played on it. Like Fusion was such a nice game. 
It was so nice. And then they expanded upon that when they made Zero Mission because they made it a little bit crisper, a little bit cleaner, a little bit smoother yeah. of an experience on the same little tiny handheld console. Like, Nintendo really hit it out of the park because Nintendo is really the only company that gave us those childhood memories, gave us the ability to imagine like what we were playing and then xbox and so or microsoft and sony just kind of piggyback off of that and gave us the ability to shoot other players online <laughs> and that's the games we play today and we think that that's the best and we do the same thing on pc but really it's games like metroid fusion that keep you isolated keep you by yourself allow you to have a solo uh, story experience in which you get emotionally invested, where you get scared at parts like when you drop in the tropic sector and the Saex is standing there ready to kick your ass. Yes. And <laughs> it's terrifying because you're not expecting it at all. Well, I, I take that back. You're kind of expecting it because when you first go in there, it's through a morph, bo morph ball tunnel up in the top part of the room. Uh -huh. And so the music changes and you hear her footsteps on the ground. So you know that yes. the second that you drop down there, she's going to be right there. You just don't know where because the Game Boy's audio processor isn't good enough to let you know what side of the room she's on. It's just footsteps. That's all you hear. Up to that point, you could have you could avoid. It may not be likely, but up to that point, you could avoid direct encounters with the SAX. Every other encounter, there's there's a possibility of you being able to 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 get away without without it being aware of you. Um, yeah. Because there's one where you're tempted to use a power bomb, and if you do, the SAX is aware of you. But if you just jump and bomb, you're good. And the other encounters, you can expose yourself if you jump out too quickly. But they're they're kind of scripted, so you don't. So over the course of the game, um, you've got these real close encounters. You may have had one direct encounter with the SAX at this point, you know, and if you were the one of the ones that power bombed but still got away. But if you but at this point, you have no choice. You have to directly confront in that particular part of the game, and I love it. It's and the game. Oh, we were watching a video about it on YouTube. You and I saw the same one that talked about how fusion creates fear, and it's a, it, yeah. it it builds up that fear by telling you, you know, hey, here's the SAX. That's you at full power, you know, and and you are no match for it. Just run. It's already setting that up for you. You're already you're already going to be afraid of it before you even see it. And by setting up those few encounters where it, it doesn't quite spot you also builds up that fear. So when yep. you do face it, you're terrified and you're like, what do I do? And it's, and it's a fast paced moment. You have to react fast and keep moving. <laughs> Exterminating evil gives you strength. But are you strong enough to face your greatest fear? Metroid Fusion, only on Game Boy Advance. Rated E for everyone. Oh yeah, I can honestly say that Metroid is probably the darkest series that Nintendo has ever released. I can say that without a doubt. Now, I know that Twilight Princess has its spooky moments, and Breath of the Wild certainly has its spooky moments, but it doesn't ever really create fear. Yeah. With the Prime games, you actually are scared to die sometimes because you you you're low on energy and you don't want to you don't want to have any encounters with any enemies like elite pirates or uh Pir the color pirates, the beam pirates, mm -hmm. whatever those are, 
and from infusion, Prime. it's the it's the exact same way. Because when you're low on energy, sometimes there's enemies everywhere, and it's you, if you just bounce off of one, you'll die. And it's really scary because the whole screen goes black, and Samus, Samus's suit just like flies off of her, and she's just there, vulnerable, unable to do anything. And so yeah. it's 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 scary knowing that no matter how much energy you get, there will be those moments that you just have to take a lot of hits, and it's scary. Knowing that, because if you make one mistake against the SAX, she's going to catch you slipping. She's going to shoot you because she's hard to get away from. If she catches you, she is you at full power. Fusion does something different, too, in which Samus is now stripped of her power suit. She has the drastically reduced fusion suit, which is which is a, a result of the medical team having to remove portions of her power suit while she was unconscious because it was uh, tied to her central nervous system. So you've got this new dramatic, differently different appearance. And I I like how in prime you can, you can wear the fusion suit and get to see it in 3d. Yeah. That's honestly one of the coolest parts, especially when you get the phase on suit at the end, it's just Samus's golden full powered fusion suit. It's so nice. Uh, the fusion suit is interesting because it doesn't offer quite as much protection as Samus used to have. Um, Samus is now stripped, uh, and she's more agile. That's something that this game does different. Is now Samus, and this is the first game that actually implemented this before it just became part of the the game mechanics. But Samus can hang on to ledges. Uh, Hemis can Samus can climb and hang on ladders. Yep, dude. Oh God. But she can't tank anymore. And that, that's when I say that she's stripped. Uh, that's what I mean, is, is she can't tank hits anymore like she used to. Um, and on top of that, now she has the weakness that Metroids have, the ice beam, because she's vulnerable to cold. Yep, and that was honestly terrifying. Uh, going into Sector 6 the first time, the nocturnal sector, yeah. with all the giant freezing X parasites I was terrified going in there because if they get near you, you just suck them in because you attract X parasites. Yeah. And it killed you. It took like two or three energy tanks. It was ridiculous. Yes. And when you take hits like that, Samus is very weak and it's crazy. The suit looks so clean and you move so much quicker, but you're more exposed. You take harder hits. It's almost a stealth mechanic in a way, um, which predates the actual stealth mechanic that we got to see in Zero Mission. But you can you can scoot by in sector six without collecting any blue parasites, but you have to shoot them as soon as you see them, and you have to avoid shooting certain parts of the environment, or you'll expose them. And then you get the various suit, and then it's okay. But Samus still isn't capable of of uh, regaining her ice beam, and this game instead replaces that with ice missiles, which later found its way into Metroid Prime Three. Yeah, um, I was not very happy about that. But at the same time, it was a really cool concept to give Samus the ability to wield that which she's weak to, you know? Um, yeah. And later you get the diffusion missiles, which when combined with the ice ability will freeze a large area of enemies, except Samus. Yeah, kind of like the ice spreader. Yeah, it's really cool. It's re- Oh my God, the ice spreader in Prime. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that weapon. I love that thing so much. The sound effect... We're not talking about Prime, but I will go on a spiel about that ice spreader, man. But no, um, I think that's my favorite ability in Fusion. I love the diffusion missiles. It's really cool. Either that or the plasma beam. Just the sleekness of it. Yeah. And this game, uh, as far as items go, has has a, a couple real cool ones to add. 
I also wanted to bring up the fact that I, I felt like the Game Boy Advance really defined 2D Metroid gameplay with Fusion because it took Super Metroid, which nowadays is a very clunky game at the time. I mean, if you consider it being a Super Nintendo game, it's exceptional. And I, and I can play it with that in mind, but it does feel a little floaty. The mechanics and, gra and physics just aren't quite um, as responsive as I'd like them to be. But and, and then the, the control scheme is just really kind of a mess. Um, that's a game that's in dire need of a remake, just, just to make the controls and the physics smoother. But I like how, because the Game Boy Advance had less controls and it was, it was constrained by its hardware in that respect, um, it ended up streamlining the way. And so now instead of having to toggle through a bunch of special items, you just, or, or, or hit the select button to eat, to switch to missiles, you just hold down the right trigger. Perfect. The speed booster kicks in automatically. That's something that made its way into later games. So there's no more dedicated dash button. And also fusion in particular reuses the beam stacking mechanic. So um, you don't have to worry about turning on or off certain beams like in Super Metroid. Also, just less items overall. Super missiles are just incorporated into your missiles. So there is something unique that Fusion does uh, with not having too many weapons to swap through. But I, I really like how that trend continued, even in games that do, does have, you know, like separate super missiles like Zero Mission. It, it made that whole that control scheme just so much more bearable. Like playing Super Metroid now is hard because I have to hit select several times just to toggle through every item yeah. in Samus's. It, it's kind of a mess. People who, don't get me wrong, it's a phenomenal game, but um, people who, who who are saying like, oh, well, the controls were better back then. No, you're, you're, you're under nostalgic lens. <laughs> the controls are not better. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult to work with. And that makes Super Metroid a much more challenging game. Yes. Because um, it's really hard. Like, it's really hard. The first time I got down there was actually less than four months ago. And the first time I got down to Torian, I think is what it's called, I just got leveled. I just got leveled. It took me forever to beat Mother Brain. But um, Fusion Fusion is a different story, man. It was it was a gentle but also terrifying climb. Yeah. And I love how um, Metroid Prime predates Metroid Fusion in this timeline. Or, or not Metroid Prime. Uh, well, it does. But I'm thinking Metroid Other M. Metroid Other M predates Metroid Fusion in this timeline, right? Right. So, And I, I touched on this a little bit earlier. But... The creatures that Samus fought in Other M, uh, in Metroid Other M's version of Samus, they scared her, right? Like, brought fear to her, and mm -hmm. she had to face them. What if, um, when Samus got infected with the X, and they took over her suit and created the Say X, a full-power version of her, what if the X took her memories and recreated these encounters, like the Nightmare, because she faced him on the bottle ship. What do you think about that? Because they have access to her DNA and they have access to everything about her, which is how they created the SAX. So why wouldn't they have access to her memories or her brain function? Could they create DNA from, from her memories, from her observations? Maybe they're just able to create. And what they saw in Samus's mind is something they wanted to emulate. And my cat... Well, they have a collective consciousness, so it seems that they could put their brains together to to create whatever 
creature they wanted and they could emulate yeah. it. Even if its DNA wasn't exact as far as the way that Samus had thought about it, had had observed it, they could... Like the number of eyes or color. They could mimic that. That's perfect, actually. I like that idea because the 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 reason for the nightmare being on board isn't fully explained. It, it's kind of implied that maybe they just moved it from the bottle ship to the BSL, but then that doesn't make a lot of sense because uh, uh, the bottle ship is destroyed, right? Or is there a direct mention of them lifting, lifting the, the the nightmare away? I don't know. Either way, let's just forget that. I like the I like your idea better. Well, the bottle ship, the bottle ship, the memory. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say DNA was followed back, but they did destroy the bottle ship, and that's yeah, that's the thing. Destroying the bottle ship destroyed any trace of the nightmare, but the nightmare is dead yeah. on board. Yeah. The nightmare is dead on board for the remainder of the game. So what if the deleter or somebody else gained DNA from the nightmare and the Federation actually used the ex-parasites to create these monsters because they had a plan all along that they didn't include Samus in. Yes. They didn't let her know what was happening. Every The whole game, you realize that the computer's up to something. And if you use that Shine Spark trick, as we watched in that video you can get a secret conversation where somebody on the other side is talking to the computer or Adam, and they mention, should we let... That was brilliant, Samus. It yes. was ingenious. We should let her in on the plan. That's the secret conversation. And the computer's like... Adam's like... You know, Adam is like, uh, that. that is not advisable. I love that secret message, by the way. I finally got it. You got it? Um, it took... It took me using the virtual console's uh, emulation features to, to restore. I couldn't just do it in one continuous run. It was too frustrating, but I did get it. I did get the the secret message. It is it is a long and complicated, hard series of Shine Sparks, which is cool because the Shine Spark puzzles aren't as well utilized here as they are in Zero Mission, I'd say. Yeah. But the Shine Spark mechanics are a hell of a lot better than they were in Super Metroid. It doesn't hurt you anymore. But Metroid Fusion also came out before Zero Mission, so they probably used the lack of Shine Spark material in Fusion to create more stuff in Zero Mission. So Yeah, there's definitely more 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 Shine Spark puzzles for some of the optional items oh yeah. in Zero Mission. Oh and yeah. the puzzles are harder in Zero Mission too. Uh, I noticed that. Yes, they are. Oh yeah. Especially the stealth mission at the end at Chosodia when you're in the zero suit and you have to make sure that you're not spotted. That's tough. Yeah. If you're doing it for the first time or like even the first through ten times, it's still hard. <laughs> like there's different ways to do it and one, it's continuous, it's free-flowing in a linear fashion, but you can get caught multiple ways. And it's really ingenious how they did it because they built it upon a system that's not random, but it's still random because you're accessing the room at different times. And so the lenses are at different locations, and so you have to try to plan your ascension accordingly. It's really cool. I like how they did that. Um, but Fusion, Fusion is just a straight-up brawl. You are literally fighting your way through this game. And there are some puzzles, but they're not as intricate. You have to do most of them for the pickups. Yeah. And it's there's nothing that you have to do for the story except find your way to the next area. Well, I enjoy that because some of the more complicated mechanics in the game, like Shine Sparking, are, are, are reserved for optional pickups um, for, yeah. for more expansions and whatnot. And by the way, because this game is so streamlined and linear, you kind of have to go out of your way to collect all the extras, but... 
at some point in the game, you're headed for a, a whole a sector run through. Once you collect all the items in the game, you know, just just run through every sector and, and collect everything before before facing the SAX. Um, I had a, an actual dilemma on my first playthrough of this in preparation for the podcast. And I've since played it like three times through at 100 percent. That, that's <laughs> I, I played this game that many times just just in preparation for the episode because um, I'd never actually beat it before. This is I got really far as far as the nightmare fight, but I never beat it before. My emulators always failed on me. But anyway, so my first playthrough before we we talked about it last month um, is I, I was getting towards the end. I got the screw attack, and then I hit a navigation booth, and then I discovered that the entry to all the other sectors were closed off. So that was really difficult for me. My my recommendation just for you, as soon as you get the screw attack, as soon as you beat Ridley, start taking the shortcuts to other sectors and don't get to the main the main deck until until you've cleared out because it won't give you a chance to go back until after you beat the final boss and reload the the file. Yeah. So that is that is indeed a cruel lesson that we have all been taught at least once in our <laughs> n- Nintendo careers. I remember one time I accidentally um, saved uh, a game of Super Mario, uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Uh-huh. I saved it, and while it was saving, I accidentally turned it off, and oh, I had no. to start the whole the game whole game over. all over. Yeah, I've done that yeah, before. Dude. Yep, it they, is they tell painful. you they mean don't turn the game off while it's saving. <laughs> they no. mean it. Yes, they do. I'm lucky to have never experienced that with. Metroid, but I also did that. Uh, City in the Sky, Twilight Princess. I accidentally turned my Wii off. No. While saving, and it was in the City in the Sky, dude. So I was like yeah, near the, the very end, end of the game. Yeah, and lightning hit, and it turned the Wii off. No, that's the worst. I was so sad, dude. I was. That's be why pissed. my PS4s. That's why my PS4s USB cables don't work now because lightning hit and it shut everything off. Oh so. yeah. That'll happen. That sucks. That'll do it. But as far as uh, you know, some of the boss battles go in this game. What were some of your favorites? I know for me, Nightmare is easily one of my favorites in the series. Uh, hmm, that's tough because there's a lot of really good fights in Fusion. I know you were mentioned the Various Suit one to me. I don't remember the name of that creature though, but it's it's a giant X parasite that like takes the form of a giant ball, and you have to uh. Wow, apparently I don't remember it as well as I thought. Varia Core X, I guess. <laughs> Varia Core X. I do like Cinna. I think that's the name of the fight. Uh, in Sector 4, the aquatic zone that you get the speed booster from. Ceres. Ceres, that's the name of it. Okay. Ceres it's is It's like the one. dragon creature that you have to, like, it's moving at a really high speed throughout the water chamber, and you have to try to dodge it, and it's really hard. You have to use missiles on her face. And that's how you get your... Speed booster. That's how you get your speed booster. Yes, sir. That is a that's a really good fight. Um, I think, honestly, the SAX is a really fun fight because you're fighting yourself essentially. Yeah, and you all you both have the same abilities, and it's really cool to watch both of them. Ah, uh, the SAX is hard, dude. The first it's time I played through hard. that, once you get the the hang of it, it's not too bad. It's just dodge, charge shot, dodge, charge shot, dodge, charge shot. Yep. But the first time you do it, it's hard, and she can still kill you in several hits. And it's the first time in the game where you're completely forced to fight the SAX. It's your final encounter, um, and 
at this point, it's scary. Yeah, you you are just there's no way out. You actually have to fight it now, and you're at the fullest power you're gonna be. So you know it. It's mainly the ice shots still damage you quite a bit, but uh, so she can kill you in a few hits. But it, it's just those charge shots, and she has every single ability. It's a lot like Dark Link fights, I guess. Yep. In that way. It's really cool how Nintendo used that concept. And then once you get her down low enough, she turns into this just hideous <laughs> creature. This giant X-looking thing, and you still have to pop charge shots into her, and one claw hit will knock you on your ass, and you have to... And then a Corex. Yep. And not even the easy kind that you shoot missiles at. The kind that, like like the like the wide beam one, that will... That, that fires you know at you <laughs> yeah the one that has the glowing eye that you have to hit so not only do you have to fight her but you have to maintain your energy and keep enough energy for the other two phases and in particular that core phase one core x1 um every boss in this game is like that too that's another thing i both love and hate about fusion you know especially if you're playing without any restore states and you have to reload your save every single time you know from the last save station but every time you fight a boss you're like okay i barely got to this boss fight but it's not over every single boss ends with a core x or almost every boss i think maybe just one or two that don't um one of them you do end up fighting later and it does have a core x Mm -hmm. you have to fight the core x and that's no joke it, it requires a few different a few missile shots it's not terribly hard but it can kill you real fast if you're not careful it's so angering, too, because yeah. when you finally crack the Corex, that thing floats away from you. It yes. gets away from you, and it's terrible because you know that the second you absorb that, you'll be at full power. Oh, at the end with the SAX, yeah. Yes, yes, you do. And then once you start the propulsion sequence, you have three minutes to get down to your ship. And once you get down to your ship, and it's 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 not very difficult to get down in time, but once you get down, um, there is an Omega Metroid shell. And once you get over to where your ship is, the Omega Metroid jumps out. And you have to try to fight it, but you can't. You're no match for it. And it swipes at you and knocks you almost unconscious. You're on your knees. And the SAX pulls up. And she's like, hold on, baby, I got this. And she starts (laughs) popping shots into the Omega Metroid. And the Omega Metroid gets weak, but gets a swipe in on the SAX, which reveals the Corex. You absorb that. You are at full health. Everything full power. You have your various suit, the ice beam. You you're at full power. And Samus's fusion suit is the same color scheme as her regular power suit. Her regular various suit looks like. So oh yeah, you get the feeling that Samus restored everything, and you and you get the ice beam back. You're able to use it, which previously in the game it was said that the ice beam was incompatible due to your genetic nature. But Samus essentially restored her original genetic condition by reabsorbing the SAX. She absorbs herself, her sense of agency again. So again, we're going back to this, the SAX, which represents Samus's sense of agency and her, and her independent nature that Samus has now lost. um, Finally, at the end of the game has to give up its agency and Samus restores that anew and defeats the Omega Metroid. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Just, just completely and masterfully done. (laughs) Nintendo really knocked it out of the park with this game. And in 2003, that's just spectacular. To be able to take such a tiny console and create such a banger of a game with it. Oh my gosh. I think I might play a little bit more after we get off. You should. Because we've got part two (laughs) coming up. So yeah. Yes, we do. (laughs) Um, But I guess 
we'll and we'll we'll wrap up in a bit here, but I don't mind if we if we if we go you know an hour and a half on this episode or or more because not at all. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to talk about. Um, as far as the overall a uh, difficulty goes in this game. I, I do feel it's it's significantly more difficult as, as as far as the action goes than most Metroid games. Yeah, if you can get through this game without dying, you're a champion because it's hard not to die at least once. Yeah, and so even if you like memorize the rooms, the enemies are still tough, and the suit gives you agility but not strength, and so it's it's a more daunting experience. I would say the action is much is much uh, more difficult in this game than Zero Mission, whereas the puzzles in Zero yeah. Mission are harder. Oh yeah, and those are kind of companion games in a sense because they're the two Game Boy Advance Metroid games, and they're very similar in terms of mechanics. But whereas Zero Mission is more your typical Metroid formula, in fact, it's a remake of the first game. Uh, Fusion is kind of this whole new thing that is, and, and uh, one aspect of that as well is is it's one of the few games, along with Other M, where Samus uh, paints the Federation in negative light, and Samus is now kind of a rogue. In fact, is De- definitely a rogue at the end of fusion i'd love to see where this goes in, you know in the future in the timeline if they make a game post fusion because you know samus is kind of uh i mean she, she's definitely going to be an enemy of the state now you know <laughs> yeah I, I, if prime four continues this story that would be dope a 3d uh post fusion adventure oh my gosh man that would be insane but we've got uh, the setting on board the the biological space laboratory's reach research station. Um, the entire game takes place on board this space station uh, that orbits mm-hmm. SR three eight eight. The game is and other M ended up copying this structure, but the game is divided into you've got your main sector, and then six uh, geographically unique other sectors. So you've got. Sector one, which is called SRX or is a, a recreation of the SR388 ecosystem. You've got sector two, the tropical environment. You've got sector three, which is uh, the pyro <laughs> area, the hot area, you know. The pyrosphere. Pyrosphere is what it's called and uh, is what they refer to sector three as in uh, other M and other M, yeah, and th- it's also sector three. That's funny. Uh, sector four in fusion is the aquatic area. Sector five is the Arctic area, which you can't access until you get the f- various suit because of Samus's um, nature and immunity. And, yeah, and then of course sector six, which is the nocturnal area. Yeah, sector six easily being one of the spookiest. The spookiest. Yeah. Just because you don't know where any of those big blue X are, and they'll kill you. Yeah, like they'll, they'll freeze you from your core, and it's yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> um, I, I I enjoy though that we have like this just those very well, and that's not new to Metroid. Every Metroid game I think has these distinct areas. I mean, Prime had as a good example because you've got the Bagmore Caverns and the Fendrana Drifts and the Chozo Ruins, which yeah. are all just very very uh, unique geographical areas or regions um and and even kind of in super metroid or uh or the original metroid or or, or zero mission where you've got zebes divided into its various areas um with norfair being more of like a lava area but but those ones are a lot more they still are more generic it's all like caves um i like that 
this is on board a space station, so it's all spacey, but it's it's simulated to look like, you know, different environments. Yeah. It's, that's one of the coolest things that Metroid does is takes... Like, they've done it several times, but they take, uh, like, environments that they've created in other games and kind of, like, rearrange them and put them in, like, artificial environments that they did with the bottle ship and other M and um, Metroid. Yeah. One of the cool things that other M did do, I think, is expanding on that and having the same sectors, but saying, oh, well, these are simulated. So I imagine in Fusion they are as well. Yeah, but that's still kind of real because you can still get burnt by the lava. You can still get frozen in the ice water. You can yeah. still, you can still get hurt. You know, it's really cool. Uh, I love, I love the interactive nature of these games because you can literally interact with almost everything, except the walls. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really cool. It feels very alive and. Yep. everything on board is an ex-parasite. Everything's been infested by ex-parasites or, or ex-parasites mimicking something. Yep. Oh, dude. The, ex-par- the ex-parasite mim- mimicking the scientist in the boiler room. Yeah. Dude, that junk is crazy. You walk in there and it's just this guy. He looks like a scientist and he looks at Samus. Like, they, literally, they make eye contact. Yeah. And he turns into a, he turns into a Corex and it's so cool. And then that's when you reset the geothermal core and prevent that six-minute explosion. Dude, that, that's a very, very tough part of the game. Yes, that's it is. That's kind of hard. It's very scary. Yeah, because oh you've, got, you've got your typical countdown uh, sequence. You know, things are about to blow, <laughs> and it's the middle of the game. You know, you're not, like, oh, exp- yeah. escaping or anything. You're just, you know, you, you, hit, you hit one button, you know, and, or, or no, you, you, you go, yeah, you, you finish up your, what you're doing, and I think Sector, sector 6... And, or sector five and suddenly it's like oh oh the boiler room better head there right now like just unexpectedly it's one of those just tension building moments that just yeah you know <laughs> yeah um i like the uh that we get more insight into samus as a character but still maintaining her badassery in general you know just the whole silent badass uh persona her she, fearlessness yeah and her fearlessness so I like the the fusion suit. I like how it resembles a Metroid because it's got those like fangs on the forearms and it's got the uh, the nuclei on the back. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's so... dude. The design—that's one thing. Like sprite design is difficult. You know, you have to get it just right, and they did it perfect in Fusion. Like the enemies, the bosses, Samus—it all yes. looks great. The environments, it's just, it's perfect. The pixel work is beautiful. The backgrounds are sinister. They make you feel like you're, dude, it, it makes you feel like you're in a huge room. Yes. But you're just passing through two small doors. Yeah. Yeah. I like also the character of Adam, Samus's uh, AI uh, commanding officer that we learn is, is is actually the the uploaded consciousness of Adam Malkovich. And whenever she mentions it by name and she, she, she calls it by name for the first time, uh, you know, Adam suddenly comes alive. Like he, like he's, you know, it's like the computer's like, oh, he's Adam Mal- he becomes he's sentient, sentient, yes. And he, the, I think the computer suddenly realizes, yes, I'm Adam Malkovich. <laughs> and probably looks up, you know, because there, there's a pause there. So I think I think the computer looks up at a Malkovich in that moment, learns who he was as a person, and says, "That's me. I have to be this person." 
Yep. Dude, that's so cool because he gets uploaded to the ship at the very end of the game and Samus is with the animals. Yes. <laughs> the animals that you rescue because those are the survivors. The, the, the survivors that you rescue in Super Metroid too. The same the same mm-hmm. creatures. The uh, Edicuns and Dakaras, I think. Dakaras? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hate how... Just just another another side note and more, more trashing. Um they they built up Adam to be a great character in this game and then completely butchered him in Other M. <sighs> they really did. I mean, he he's just a pandering, misogynistic asshole in Other M. He is not a good guy. <laughs> he really is. So, uh, I, I honestly, at this point, I'm like, maybe Other M just needs to be erased from the canon. I mean, it, it has so many continuity errors anyway, but I, I do like that it connects to Fusion, and when you replay Fusion, some of those connections make more sense, but, you know, did Samus really need to face the Nightmare twice? <laughs> no. We've also got, of course, the SAX, who we mentioned uh, represents Samus's free will, um, and, and basically, she's an agent of chaos, and she's juxtaposed with Samus's current state, which is that, you know, that that sense of agency and identity. And then at the end, intentionally saving Samus. So one thing that's interesting about the X is that we learn that they have a collective consciousness and their only instincts are survival. They have, in fact, Samus mentions the SAX is me, but heartless, you know, no soul. And so the X just survive on instinct. And so they decide to throw away their own lives once they've obtained the remember they 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 retain information and intelligence of the, of the the victims yeah so they start developing tactics to target samus and then eventually say that they're willing to throw themselves away for the species of as a whole and blow up the whole station with samus on it and and, and the sax really exemplifies a lot of that behavior but i like how at the end the x you know the sax and, and you can see this a couple times. The SAX at one point completely ignores Samus, or one of the SAX, I should say, on, on the restricted section and start and just focuses on the Metroids. It completely ignores her because Metroids are its natural enemy. And at the end, the, XAS, the, the SAX is willing to throw its own life away to save Samus because it, the only thing that it considers of a worse, of a bigger, greater threat than Samus are Metroids, its natural enemy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's a hot take, bro. <laughs> that's a spicy one. Well, but it does, right? The SAX allows itself that's to be really absorbed by Samus. So Exactly. We know that it considers Samus a greater threat to the, a threat to the, uh, extinction of the greater species and is willing to sacrifice itself for that. But it's willing to save Samus against metroids yeah so you think do you think that we'll see the x parasites again or do you think they're gone probably gone i don't think that they would come back but metroids definitely have to come back yeah do you think the sax destroyed all the metroids on the station well the metroids on the station were were blown up because the station blew up into sr388 which looks like it might have blown up so you don't think there's Metroid? Do you think there's Metroids somewhere I think else? The, I think there's the fe- gotta Federation be. has got to be creating them or something is the only way. Of course, we've already done that at least twice before, but it's the only mechani- mechanism I can think about. Or maybe Metroids were left on some other planet. That's totally doable. Samus only exterminated the ones on SR388. We don't know that there were no Metroids anywhere else in the galaxy. Because there were, me- there were Metroids on Ether with Metroid Prime 2. So how did the Metroids get to Ether? 
They could have gotten to other places. There were Metroids they, on... They got there by the space pirates, who also brought them to Talon 4, right? Yes, but what about Elysia? Space pirates? Chozo? Do you remember the Met- Do you Do you think it was Chozo? Because the Metroid... Chozo created the Metroids to be the natural predators of the SAX. Or of, of the X, I'm sorry. Of the X parasites as a, as a whole. So the Chozo could have brought them... That is true. Because you get the Seeker missiles once you defeat those, right? In Elysia and Skytown? Yeah, Town? I think so. That Those are some weird Metroids. <laughs> like, they can phase in and out. of Like, how did those come to be? Have those just been, like, festering there? Have they have they just been growing? That's kind of <laughs> interesting to... It's kind of interesting to think about. But, um, no. I'm trying to figure out how the Metroids would be just created like that. If they're all destroyed on the on the BSL station. The Federation did it. So twice in other MN infusion they were able to create Metroids by manipulating DNA. Well, well, where do you think the Federation is at this point? Do you think Admiral Dane is still Admiral Dane at large? Uh, Admiral Dane is so much better than Adam Malkovich. I, I, Admiral Dane has my heart. I love him. Damn! The planetary defense system. <laughs> The original version of Corruption, <laughs> in the original version of Metroid uh, Prime 3, 2007 for the Wii, he says, damn. Yes. But um, I don't know what he says in the trilogy. He version. says, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. No. No. They're headed for the planetary defense system. Yeah, that, that's, in the, that's in the PAL version and the trilogy version. I love it so much. But yeah, I like how Metroid Fusion... Um, how Metroid Fusion's linear structure allows developers to completely manufacture situations that build tension and fear. Um, and in a way oh, yeah. that the open-ended games don't aren't quite able to, you know? Yeah, 100%. And it adds for a greater expansion on the series. You know, it adds for more opportunities for continuity. And that's super exciting because this is the 35th anniversary. We might see something this year that gives us a little insight to uh, what's going to be happening. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. You know, I know they're developing Metroid Prime 4, but by all means, remake some other games in the interim. I think a remaster of the... Remake Fusion, Remake Fusion, um, which which leads us to a a future announcement in part two. Stay tuned for that. but yeah, a remake of Fusion, a remake of Super Metroid is actually due. And I would like to see, you know, I heard that there might be a remake in the style of Samus Returns, but I would like to see Super Metroid remade into like a 3D game. And then this game kind of would, could get the Samus Returns treatment. Dude, that would be crazy. If Super Metroid was put into 3D, I would lose my mind. Yeah. That's just... I would actually lose my mind. That's just my idea. And then, of course, remastering the Prime Trilogy is just a given. Um, oh yeah a full remaster and i and i'd say unify the ui among all three games um you know including the hud and and the menus as well and you know just make the graphics look good and all of them you know up up upscale redo some of the models if you have to although although the graphics are damn good in the original trilogy still so they really are they really are metroid prime one is so smooth and the way it just flows and they just kept that going throughout the trilogy is so nice yeah yeah, it does. It does. It looks great, actually. So I guess we'll sort of wrap it up from here. I want to save some more of this talk for part two, oh, yeah. which where we'll we'll continue talking more about the story, um, if maybe some more gameplay points. If we have, um, we can talk about you know 
the way we feel about the execution and the graphics and whatnot and, and where the story could go next as well. For now, uh, I guess we'll sort of say adieu. Well, adieu, my friends, until we meet again. <laughs> until we meet again. If you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned for part two. Uh, you can find Collateral Gaming wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and wherever else. And if there's somewhere we're not, let us know. Um, if you want to collab with us, let us know. We've got a bonus round episode coming out uh, that's going to be Metroid-focused. So stay tuned for that uh, by next week before part two comes out. And uh, I'm also doing a Let's Play on Metroid Fusion as well. I've already started it just to tie in with this episode. I'd love to have Zach come on board with that. Yes, dude. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're also going to be recording later tonight. We're going to be recording the uh, Hot Tub Time Machine episode on Collateral Cinema. <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to watch that after we record this. I'm excited. Dude, I'm... <laughs> yeah. Totally, dude. Uh, so stay, yeah, check that out if you haven't already. Uh, Collateral Cinema, you can find wherever you find Collateral Gaming. We talk about movies. It's me and my co-hosts, Bo and Robert, on that. I guess next time we'll be talking about what we're doing later this season, including uh, a Mortal Kombat tie-in and our 420 special, but I'll say more next episode. Anything else to add, Zach? Nah, man. We've got plenty of stuff to talk about in part two, so until then, my friends... I really appreciate this, by the way. This is such a banger of a game, yes. and I'm so glad we finally get to talk about this. But um, I guess if we're going to sign off here, uh, I'm Zachary Gio. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. Hit us up in the socials, and stay tuned for part two. Yes, sir. We are Collateral Gaming, and we are out. Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.